What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Cole Burks here at Hope Unlimited Church. I have a message for you today, and I pray that it would send you uh, in peace, it would send you in joy, and that you would be just overcome with the presence of God, and I pray that this would uplift you in every way. Um, send this to somebody that you may think that needs it after you give it a listen, and I will see you at the end of this message. Good morning, everybody. You're going to have to deal with the squeaky voice. And if you laugh at me, I got promoted to Blue Belt yesterday. I will tap you so quick after service. <laughs> and I will tap you in the parking lot. So, um, I want to start this morning with just making an <clears throat> unofficial announcement. Um, Saint is in the house this morning. Saint is in the house this morning. Told me in the lobby that he had a word from God, so if he wants to come up and preach now, I'll take my seat. Um, no, I do want to talk to you about kind of how this sermon series came to be. I was, yesterday I was driving to Kentucky to retrieve our founding pastor, Pastor Casey. His car, something happened to it. Lots happened to it. Expensive fix. And Anna calls me and she's like, I just left this small group with Marissa. She's like, we're talking about liturgy of the ordinary. And she hits me with this quote and it's just this one quote. This is not the actual quote. This is the way that she said it. And uh, I wrote an entire sermon series in my mind on the way about 30 minutes. And so we have a, we have a sermon next week too around this subject. But Anna was like, I think you should talk about this. And I was like, hmm, I do too. I could say a lot about that. So um, it's this one quote. And I want you to just, I want you to hang in here with me. People love movies because they eliminate dull moments. People love movies because they eliminate dull moments. They, they, they are highlights and they eliminate the dull moments. Now, obviously, there are dull moments in movies. But have you ever read, have you ever read a, a book and then you go watch the movie that they based the book off of? And it's like, man, there's so many details missing. So many details missing. And I just want to, that was a thought that provoked me into writing uh, all of this this morning. And it's a sermon series I'm going to call Liturgical Living, and it's going to bless you. I'm excited. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. That's it. That's all I got for you this morning. All the Bible I got for you. I want you to really lean into this. I'm going to read it one more time. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and it was empty. 
and darkness was over the surface of the deep, over the waters, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your people. God, do something in us over these next couple weeks that will mark us and change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Chancen, you're good, dog. Everybody give it up for Pastor Jay this morning in the house. So when you read, when you read the Bible and you start, I guess, engaging with Scripture, there are several different ways that you can go about it. And you really, you can go about it in a lot of ways. And there are only a few ways that you should go about it. <laughs> um, I think due to the fact that we live in a very individualistic society and it, like Christianity, is really all about your walk with Jesus. It's all about that's, you even say th- we even say things like my personal salvation. We even say things like my personal walk with God. Right? And the New Testament and the language of the Bible is always communal. It always has to do with us and you and me and me and my neighbor and God. And within that, that's where revelation lies about your life with God. You actually cannot be a Christian you would not be able to serve God unless you had your neighbor. You couldn't serve God apart from your neighbor. It would be impossible to do. And I'm going to expound upon that later, but I want you to get this in your mind, that liturgical living, when you are are deciding to live a liturgical life, and I'll explain what that means in a minute, When you are deciding to dive into this life, you have to be willing to allow God to make you formless and void of all ideas that you have about who he is. If you are not willing to do that, you will end up practicing a different Christian faith, a different version of the Christian faith. If you're not willing to let God take your ideas that you have about him, take them out of your mind and then replace them with new ones, you will not live the life that God has called you to live, which we believe is encountering him and living in community. So the Bible says that the earth was formless and void. And you see in the creation story that God has a very clear order in which he does things. Very clear. Things are empty, and then he fills them. That's how it works. The earth is empty, and then God fills it. But before he does all of that stuff, he forms the earth and what he wants it to be, and then he fills the earth. Okay? So the reason for a liturgical life, which is just this, it is a life that is, that is, is saturated in Consistent spiritual disciplines. We hate the word spiritual disciplines because, number one, the word discipline. 
We hate that word. Let me just inform you of something. You have spiritual disciplines. Some of them just suck. <laughs> just being honest with you. You have spiritual disciplines. Everyone in this room, you are the sum total of your spiritual disciplines. You are where your disciplines have gotten you until this point. You are where your practices of the presence of God and your practices of walking with Jesus, you are the sum total of those practices. Where you are today, your walk with God is that. And so a lot of people really, the purpose of liturgy and why I believe even the early church used liturgy so much was not because it was religious. It's not because it was just a custom or a practice. It was because it formed something in them. It shaped them in a deep way. Actually, this is actually what happened. The church at large, you can go read about this. How many of you have ever heard of the Desert Fathers? You've heard of the Desert Fathers. One of the reasons they literally went to the desert was because the church was becoming formless. And when they were becoming formless, they weren't allowing God to form them with anything in during that time. So they said, to heck with all of this, this isn't it. We're going to the desert to practice our faith. That's one of the reasons. There's many reasons why people believe that they went to the desert. But I truly believe that one of the major problems that we have in the church today is that we do not have practices that form our life with God. We just don't. We just hop to conference to conference. We just jump to conference to conference. And we come in and get you the conference high, and then we'll see you again next conference. And fruit is not developed in the dramatic moments. It's developed in daily moments. I promise you, listen, I could preach the paint clear off the wall in here about the gospel of Jesus. You can respond to this altar call, get saved. You can have an encounter with Jesus, which is awesome. We want you to do that. But that does not mean that you're living a fruitful life. Tons of people encountered Jesus. Yes. Judas encountered Jesus. Yes. Judas had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. We've built entire movements around seeing God face-to-face -face and the glory of God, and that's not it either. The spiritual fathers of the early church Origin, St. Gregory of Nyssa, specifically those two, Anthanasius, specifically those two. If you go read their works, they have volumes and volumes and volumes of revelation of these deep things about who God is. And we have buzzwords. And the reason for that was is because they embraced liturgical living. They embraced a consistent daily practice 
and practices that grew their walk with God. Do you mean to tell you what we're infamous for in the charismatic community? I'm just going to hit you with a good one. A good one. You ever heard this terminology before? I believe the best relationships are organic relationships. And people say that to combat small groups and community groups. Do you mean to tell you why? Because your deepest encounters with God have been spontaneous. And the, most, and the deepest way that you've experienced God is in a church service where we have created in our minds somewhere that when it pops off and gets spontaneous, that's when God's really moving. And so we relate that to everything deep in our lives. And so we preach a spontaneous message in the charismatic I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I could manifest, I could go, oh my God, this drops me insane. I could give you four songs. I could give you four songs, I promise you. I, I would bet everything that I own on this. I could give you four songs. I could send this team to certain locations all around the world. I could get up, give an exhortation, and after the service, they'd be like, that was the most powerful thing I've ever experienced. Wasn't spontaneous at all. At all. Not in the least bit. But they would say, this is the most powerful thing that we've ever experienced because they heard their buzzwords and all of their preferences inside of a culture. And all you have to do is say a few words. And people are like, this is what I believe. My God, this is erupting on the inside of me. And all I want to ask you, why are there so many broken people sitting in your churches? Why are they act why are their marriages falling apart? Because a liturgical life and a communal life in God is meant to be lived together. Us. Us. I could go all the way down this trail. Dude, there was a there is a um there's an early church father, his name is some call him Basil, some call him Basil, okay? Call him whatever you want, Basil or Basil. He actually says this, you cannot be a practicing Christian. Listen, you cannot be a practicing Christian if you look at your neighbor who has less and you let them do without and you enjoy your privilege, because you say that you love your neighbor, but Basil would say, put your money where your mouth is. Now, if you go read Basil, you'll, have, you'll be feeling guilty for having bottled water in your fridge. He has some things I don't believe. But there is a communal aspect to the Christian faith, and there is a liturgical aspect to the Christian faith that we completely miss in the church in America and we suffer from that and we are fruitless because of it. Fruit is fruit is not excitement. Dude, 
People get excited at Drake concerts. Joe up here throwing shade at Drake on the front row. It's not excitement. Fruit is not measured by expression. It can't be. It can't be. I believe that you should worship God whatever way you want to worship God as long as it doesn't harm your neighbor. Because the moment you harm your neighbor in your worship, it becomes unchristlike. And the moment that you build something that harms people and only benefits the ones on stage, it becomes unchristlike no matter how Christian it may seem. It's not rooted in the ways of Jesus. And the reason why we've come so far away from that is because we literally, in, in the charismatic Pentecostal community, we just fake everything. We fake everything. Fake falling out in the spirit. Fake speaking in tongues. I'm serious. Fake it all. I'm not saying it's all fake. But I'm saying we do these things because inside of these communities, these are the things that we value. And people want to be noticed and seen. And so they do those things so that people will notice and see them so that they will look valuable. They will look like they're getting it. People say all the time, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's not the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It can't be. It can't be. It can't be. If you speak in tongues but don't have the love of God in your heart, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you prophesy to people but you don't love your neighbor, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares, dude. Nobody cares. We have so many gifted people in the church that are fruitless. And if you want to embrace a liturgical way of living and see God actually produce fruit in your life, you have to become formless of all the things that you used to know. And you have to, and you have to, you have to literally say, all of these things that I used to know, I lay them aside. Yes. And the one thing that you hold on to is the person of Jesus. People hate on the deconstruction movement all the time. Some of you need to deconstruct your faith. You need to deconstruct your theology. It's terrible. I don't have a good voice this morning, so I'm just swinging for the fence. It's terrible. Some of the things that we believed about God, you can find nowhere in the New Testament unless you put a, a literally a lens on that did not exist until the 1800s. Some of the things that we say about Jesus, I don't know where we gather this stuff from. Jesus is the humble servant who washes the feet 
of a person who murdered him. And we think he's an angry guy running around representing who God is. And he's angry and he's mad. You know, why do we always have to justify? This is a super, I've maybe looked at my notes about twice. So this is just all, it's all in here somewhere, you know. It's all, the sermon's always being written. That's what Pastor Casey says. What that means is, he ain't started writing it yet. <laughs> Why do we always, you ever hear people talk about the woman caught in the act of adultery? And Jesus says, you know, he who was out sin cast the first stone. But then we always say, but Jesus also said, go and sin no more. Okay, the people who, were, who have to, who, we can read. Right, number one, we can read. We get that part. Jesus is literally talking to the people who would have told her to go and sin no more. When he says, he who is out sin cast the first stone. He is talking to the people who always bring that up. They're not there to say it because he confronted them before they had the opportunity. But we always, in our Christian thinking, we think God is just in the fact that he has to have some sort of weird payment from us for sin. You're going to pay for the things that you do. And you're going to pay for the things that all of those things. That's not the gospel. He paid for it. All of it. All of it. The sickest, nastiest things that you can think of in your mind, he paid for it. And we think about, it's like, so, so how do you live a Christian life and don't get trapped in sin? Because that is something that you can do. How do you do that? You embrace consistent practices that immerse you into a life with God. Consistent practices that, that, that immerse you into a life with God. What does this look like? Number one. The number one thing that you can do is join a community group. Is join a community group. There's a theologian, his name is Baxter Kruger, and he wrote this book called The Great Dance. In this book, he talks about uh, a doctrine called perichoresis, which is the Trinity, and it's the Trinitarian fellowship. Father, Son, and Spirit are in fellowship with one another. But the great dance is not that dance. That's not the great dance. The great dance is the Father, Son, and Spirit, and you and me yes. within that. So, so when you go to start 
When you go to start trying to live a life that is consistently immersed in the ways of Jesus and the practices that are going to lead you into deeper uh, encounters with Jesus and um, more love for your neighbor, all of those things. The first thing that God has to make you formless of, and I've talked about this for a minute, is old mindsets. Now, I'm not talking about new age stuff. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way that you used to think about God. So repentance literally means to change the way that you think. It means to change, the, change what you think about. And when we think about repentance, we've always preached it. You got to do a 180. You got to turn and run the other direction. Well, you can't run the other direction unless your head goes. You can't turn away from things unless you've started thinking differently first. You can't do it. There's a little jujitsu principle. If you can control their head, you can control everything. If you can control your mind, if you can saturate it in the ways of God, you can change your life. You can change your life. But you have to, you have to repent. You have to turn away from the, the things that are keeping you bound in sin, are keeping you bound in depression, are keeping you bound in the things that God doesn't have for you. Anything less than you have to repent to be able to do that. But that doesn't mean coming down to the altar, beating your head on the altar, and telling God how sorry you are, how much you suck at life. It's not repentance. It's not repentance at all. You're actually disagreeing with God when you do that. You're repenting, and what you're doing is, is participating in idolatry. And you think you're repenting. You've come down to the altar, and all you've thought about is you and how bad you are. That's idolatry. It's not repentance. Repentance requires you to see Jesus. And when you see him, something changes. And your mind begins to, to work differently and change. And so you have to repent. And, you, and once you repent, then you can turn away and walk away from that stuff. It can't be the other way. You only have so much willpower. Willpower only lasts for a minute. But when, you have, when, when Jesus does something in you that changes you and makes you turn the other way, that's sustainable because he started it. The Bible says in Philippians 1 that he's faithful to finish every work he starts. So you have to also, God wants to undo unhealthy habits that you have created. Listen, you already have spiritual disciplines. You already have them. How are you thinking about encountering Jesus right now? You already have spiritual disciplines. You already have things that shape your walk with God. You already have those things in place. And they either are good or bad. They're either taking you deeper in God or you're just staying right where you're at. 
That's what spiritual disciplines do. That's what, that's what happens when you cultivate practices of any sort is they lead you in a certain direction. And so you have to let God, you have to let God make you empty and void of unhealthy spiritual disciplines. And then you have to let him replace it with healthy ones. One of the things that we value here as a community is encountering God. Please note something. I did not say encounters with God. I said encountering God. A consistent daily walk with God. It's not that an encounter with God can be, it's not that that can't do something in you. It's not that that can't be a catalyst for something. But encountering God on the daily, in the ordinary ways that you can in life will change your life. That will produce fruit in you. Let me ask you this question. How do you see God daily? How do you see God daily? Apart from Sunday and Wednesday, how do you see God daily? Where is he at? Where are you finding him on the daily? Where are you finding him in the ordinary of life? In the dull moments? Because he's there. Where are you finding him? Or is it from worship service to worship service? From prayer meeting to prayer meeting? Let me just translate this. From high to high. And from low to high to low to high to low to high. Is that how your walk with God looks like? Because that's what, that's, that's conference type ministry. It's that you go big, you leave the conference two weeks after the conference. You down here. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket. And everything they told you at the conference was going to happen ain't happening. You ain't ever going to sin again. I'm sinning. Somebody lied. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. And then you go to a next conference. I am never going to sin again. I'm never going to have a thought that is even contrary to the ways of God ever again about God or another human being. And you pull out of the parking lot and you tell somebody they're number one in traffic. Shoot them the bird. And you just said you were never going to do that again. That's why it's important to embrace liturgical living. Because that life that you so desperately want is sustainable through a daily practices. Listen, going to conferences and having encounters with God is awesome. Worshiping together with tons of people is awesome. Coming here on Sunday morning and worshiping together is awesome. It's fantastic. It just doesn't produce long-term fruit with you if you don't do anything with it. If you don't steward what happens within you daily, then nothing comes from that. You were exposed to a cool atmosphere, a godly atmosphere, which is fine. 
But being exposed to atmosphere is not the point of this. Bearing fruit is the point of this. Living a life with God is the point of this. Abiding in Jesus is the point of this. Him and you and you and him is the point of this. And, and the early church fathers had something that they did and they had something that they practiced on a regular basis and they just simply called it liturgy. That's all they called it. And I'm not talking about I'm going to get up here and read a sheet of paper and if you go to the Catholic church, that's what you're going to do. <clears throat> I go sometimes. <laughs> the one in West Hills, beautiful. It's like $22 million for a building. If anybody from the Catholic church wants to start attending Hope Unlimited, we'll welcome you right over. <laughs> The early church fathers built their lives around daily practices, a liturgical way of living, not high to high and low to low and high to low and low to high and low to high. They didn't build their lives around dramatic moments. They built their lives around daily devotion with Jesus. And so <clears throat> there's a reason why Encountering God is a part of our mission statement here. It's because that is the life that you were made for. Encountering him on a regular basis, every day. Seeing him in the daily. Seeing him daily. That's the life that you were made for. Yes, church is a spiritual discipline. Coming to church is a spiritual discipline. It's good for you. You should be coming to church. You need community. You need to worship with other believers. You need to be here when the doors are open. It's important that you are. It does something in you. It develops something in you. And when we meet together, it should literally be we should, we should encourage one another, as Paul says, exhort one another, edify one another. That word that I used, I can't remember which one it is, but it literally means we should provoke each other. We should provoke each other in our walks with God. There's nothing more provoking to me than when people tell me about the, their relationship that they're having with God. I mean the real relationship. I don't mean the Christianese stuff like, well, I was in my prayer closet for four hours the other day. Sorry. You was asleep for three and a half. <laughs> I mean, do you, I mean, when they talk about encounters with, they had with God washing dishes, and vacuuming the carpet. But if you want to get to that place, and that's the life that you, you were made for, there has to be consistent practice of getting in his presence, intentional devotion to him. You get familiar with his voice. You get familiar with him working um, among people. I remember one time, I will never forget this as long as I live. I was at this conference, and I was like a... 
they brought me in as like a leader there and it was like a week long thing and I was there and I taught some classes and stuff and it was like this huge youth conference. I mean, there's kids everywhere and I'm standing there and like the services, they were good. They were fantastic. The worship team was awesome. They had like, uh, like Jacob Peterson came and preached and like he can preach. Like he's not a terrible preacher. Like it was good. The services were good. But I remember like standing there, like we're on, we're on like this little basketball court. <laughs> we're on this basketball court and we're like lining up to like be divided into these different teams because you know at every youth camp and conference, there has to be a color war and you have to have a different bandana that you wear. <laughs> Yellow team, purple team, red team, green team. I just remember sitting there and I was like, I feel the presence of God right now in this moment more than I have this entire time that I've been here. In all of these services, I feel his presence right now as strong as I have the entire time that I've been here. I will, I will never forget that moment. And I, re I remember like thinking about this. I often go back to that moment because it's, there's nothing spectacular happening. There's nothing crazy happening. It's just a bunch of kids in fellowship with each other and in community with each other. And God can show up in the midst of that the same way he can show up anywhere else. And his presence can be felt in the midst of that the same way it can be felt in here on a Sunday morning. I promise you. Ask some people who've been invested in community groups for a minute. Ask some people. I'll even, I'll give you a further challenge. Ask some people this question. Ask the people where they've experienced the most life change at since they've been here. They'll probably say something along the lines of, services are great, but when we meet on whatever night, that does something for me. That is the way that the early church practiced. That's what they did. James 5 literally says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. The verse before that says, confess your sins to God so that you can be forgiven. God forgives you of your sins and he uses people to heal you from your pain. God forgives you of your sins. You're atoned. His blood covers you, washes you white as snow, and then he'll use your neighbor to heal you from all your pain. He'll use your friends. He'll use your family. A life outside of community is not a Christian life. And that's all the, that's all the time that I have for today, but I want you to think about that, and I'm gonna come back next week, and I'm gonna swing for the fence on community next week. But I want you to think about this. What practices, you can stand to your feet. What practices do you have right now that you need to let go of, that you need to give to Jesus? Or what do you not do that you need to start doing? I want you to think about that in this service. 
before you leave, and we're going to be dismissed in just a moment, if you need prayer for any reason, you know that you're more than welcome to come down to the front. We have people down here to pray for you. What practices do you need to let go of so that God can fill you with new ones that are going to take you deeper in your walk with Him? ask you this what do you know that you should do on a regular basis whether it's just literally opening the bible app on your phone and doing just like a a, like a reading plan in there like also too like this looks different for different people this is not a one size fits all I trust the Holy Spirit in you, though, for him to reveal to you what you need to do. We have a person that comes to church here. His name's Al. I'm like, Al, when do you spend time with God? When do you spend time with God? He's like, every morning at the gym from 8 to 9. And I promise you, when you see Al at the gym, do not try to get his attention. Because he has his headphones on, and unless he makes eye contact with you, do not talk to him. He like walks by you, you hear him praying in tongues. I'm like, my God, to fall out here doing bench press. <laughs> but I've asked him about that. How do you do that? He's like, I don't know, man. It just works for me. He's like, I get more revelation in the gym than I get anywhere. And I'm like, looks like you need to keep going to the gym. <laughs> now Al's not here, so I can say this. Al don't do nothing while he's at the gym. Al just walks around the machines and he just checks them out and then walks back to another machine. I swear. Al, if you're watching, I love you. But I want you to ask the Lord, just in this moment, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to ask Jesus, what do you want me to do to go deeper in my walk with you? What liturgical way, what practices do you want me to keep? What practices do you want me to pick up? It doesn't have to be dramatic. It just needs to be consistent. Father, I pray you would reveal to us right now what you would have us do to encounter you daily. Lord, we're thankful for your presence this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, I hope that this encouraged you. I hope it uplifts you. And I pray that um, you go ahead and send it over to somebody that you think needs it right now. Um, if you would like to give to Hope Unlimited Church in any way, uh, you can go on our website, you can give there, or you can text any amount to 84321. We love you, and I hope to see you in person here at Hope Unlimited soon.